and now, from Chicago, the Mutual presents another social commentary by Miss Maida Gillespie. Careers in higher education are leading to the masculinization of women with enormously dangerous consequences to the home, the children, and our country. When our boys come home from war, what kind of girls will they be coming home to? And now, the most disgusting example... Welcome to this episode of Professed Hers, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, current events, and literature, all discussed through the perspective of women's issues and feminism. I'm Allegra, and I have a great deal of experience playing kickball. Kickball. Yeah, kickball. Did uh, you go pro? Uh, middle school <laughs> street champion. Uh, but I do have several... Uh, female athletes in my family. One of them played professional basketball in Europe, and one of them went to the women's final four. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's clearly in my genes. I'm just not... It just cor- skipped a generation? Correctly. Well, they're in my generation. They're my cousins, so I'm just... it's not, I'm not accessing the sports <laughs> abilities properly. And my name is Misty. I also lack talent in the uh, sports arena. 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 Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like watching baseball. You do? I do. I really love baseball, but I could take or leave football. I think in Texas, that's pretty. I, I believe you have to leave. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. we get deported. What do you like about baseball? I just think it's really interesting. And I, here's the thing I love the minor leagues. Okay. I love the Fort Worth Cats, I love the Air Hogs. Going to a minor league game is so much fun. Okay. Whatever you say, Misty. Yeah. So if you guys can't tell, today we're going to talk about sports. Right? Yeah. And uh, particularly baseball. Baseball. Ladies playing baseball. Yes. Okay. All right. So th- I think the most prominent example of women playing baseball is the film A League of Their Own. Well, a fictional example, yes. Because that that's a, how Allegra knows history. Yeah, that wasn't a documentary? It was not. Okay, so Tom Hanks wasn't there. No, this uh, was not before he went to the Vietnam War and Forrest Gump. I thought he was everywhere. All right, whatever you say, Misty. So as you can probably guess, Misty's going to start us off with... Yay, history! Uh, I have seen the movie, though, so I can interject as needed. Yes, I yeah. think you're going to need to. Probably. So, Allegra, before we talk about... The All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. That's a very long name. It is. It's not very catchy. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about just a brief history of women in sports in general. Okay. So in this country, in the United States, women weren't really encouraged to play sports Mm -hmm. for a really long time. And the reason for that was that doctors thought that if women were too vigorous in their exercise, their uteruses could fall out. And then they would be not able to have children. <laughs> just, just fall right just out. Fall out. Just, just yeah. Fall. Just they're just gone. And so these were doctors. Well, I mean, yeah, but okay. 1800s doctors. All right. So women at the turn of the century are encouraged to do some athletic activities, but they said that the activities should focus on fashion as much as they do on the sport. Of course, obviously. So things like swimming, synchronized swimming, 
uh, things like is tennis. that when they had like the uh, the frill yes on their swim yes it is suits? okay uh-huh. and women were not encouraged really to do much other than that okay so synchronized swimming and tennis yes or just regular swimming was fine too but we don't want to get too crazy with it okay. I mean you really shouldn't be trying to race people and especially not men I mean obviously right that's kind of the standard but then things are going to shift a little bit and what begins happening is that baseball not just for women but for everyone becomes kind of a centerpiece of our country would you call it uh the american pastime i would okay i mean other people would argue with me but i would i was so confused by that saying as a child so the reason we said that was that baseball? Oh, she actually knows. I okay. do know. Yeah, I do I'm excited know. now. Okay. The reason that we called baseball America's pastime was because it allowed assimilation. People came to this country and they couldn't speak the language. Mm-hmm. They couldn't understand the culture. It was very different. Okay. But baseball united us. Oh. And so that's why you had cult followings around certain players because, mm-hmm. like, Joe DiMaggio, mm-hmm. he's an Italian. Oh. So he's a point of assimilation for Italian-Americans. I see. Yes. And this is also a way that we spread our culture to other countries. So if you think about all of our great baseball players, not all of them, but a lot of our great baseball players today, where do they come from? Uh, Outside of the country. Well, the Dominican Republic, Cuba. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The reason for that is we had all of these um, naval bases in the Caribbean. And our soldiers got bored and they needed something to do. So they taught the people there baseball to play against them. And it's just culturally stuff. Yeah. So it's a cultural imperialism. We're spreading our culture through sports. <laughs> of course we are. Yeah. Uh, so baseball becomes this, like I said, American pastime. People can unify around it. Your whole neighborhood can unify around it. Mm-hmm. And girls. Like my neighborhood and kickball. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I and mean, kickball is baseball with a different kind of ball that you kick but it's i mean it's the the bases and the running and yes it's just easier for those people who are not coordinated enough to play real baseball (laughs) i i I think that's a you're insinuating something i was (laughs) so girls played too in those neighborhood games Mm -hmm. it wasn't something they were outlawed from especially the lower class girls because they didn't have any doctors telling them that their uteruses were going to fall out (laughs) and so some girls started playing Women are not actually officially outlawed from baseball until 1931. So I want to tell you a story about 1931. Is it going to be a happy story? Well, I'm a historian. So no. So no. So there's a woman (sighs) named Jackie Mitchell. Okay. And she is taught by her father and her next door neighbor, Desi Vance, who's going to eventually go on to be in the Hall of Fame, how to play baseball and specifically how to pitch. So she's really, really, really good. And she is picked up by the Chattanooga Lookouts. Now, the owner of the Chattanooga Lookouts, Joe Engel, he's kind of known for publicity things Hmm. and getting people in the gates through any means possible. So a girl pitcher was a little bit of a spectacle. Okay. So Jackie's going to be pitching. And it just so happens that the Chattanooga Lookouts are going to be playing a scrimmage game against the New York Yankees. April 1931, she's pitching and she strikes out Babe Ruth. What? And Lou Gehrig how in do the I, same game. How do I not know this story? I don't know how everyone doesn't know this story. So Ruth gets so angry that he says, I don't know what's going to happen if we let women in baseball. Well, he knows what's going to happen. He's going to get struck out. He says they can never play. They're too delicate. And he says this. Clearly not. Clearly after, he's the delicate one. Yeah, 
after he's just been struck out by this girl. So a few days after that happens, Judge Kinsall Mountain Landis, who is going to be the commissioner of the baseball league, announces that women are officially banned from the major league. They are well, no longer allowed we to play. hurt their fragile little yes. egos. Yes. So uh, Mitchell does keep playing, and she kind of gets on this, kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters, but of baseball. Okay, it's like a showcase yes, kind of team. Okay, called the House of David. Uh, but she eventually is going to retire at the age of 23 because she's just so angry that she's not taken seriously and that she's treated like a sideshow. Like in one time, they wanted her to pitch uh, while she was riding a donkey. And she just decided, like, that's what? too far. I'm not doing it. Yeah, that's a circus act. Okay. Yeah, and so she wasn't taken seriously, and she decides she's done. So we're going to fast forward to World War II. And Very happy time in American oh, history. Yes, of yeah. course. But a time of progress. All right, so it's 1942. Okay. We are at war. The men are being sent off to fight the Nazis, the Italians, and the Japanese. Okay. And so we have a problem in Major League Baseball. More than 500 Major League players are going to serve during World War II. Some got drafted, but major stars, Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, they're gone. Okay. And the people who own the Major League Baseball clubs, they still would like to make money. Of course. And they'd like to have games. Obviously. And they'd like to keep up American morale. Yeah. So we need something, but we can't use the men. We don't have enough men. Right. And we can't replace them. Because, I mean, right, that would be like a bad look if we just replaced Joe DiMaggio while he's off fighting the Nazis. That would look pretty bad. Yeah. Okay. So we have to do something. We have to have an alternate scheme. Philip Wrigley. Uh Uh-huh. Which of Wrigley Field? And of the chewing gum. Oh. Yeah. I don't know why my entire life I'd never put that Wrigley Field was also Wrigley gum. But yeah. yeah, Same guy. Okay. So he owns a gum factory and he owns Chicago Cubs. Yeah. And he has this idea. That maybe instead of using men, we could use women to play professional baseball. Important question. Sure. What about their uteruses falling out? Well, we'll get to that. (laughs) So stupid. So we're going to name this the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Or the AAGPBL. Because... Because... Because it was catchy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like the letters didn't even fit on a patch. No, it's super long. Now, why does it have to be the all-American? Well, okay, that's an important point because Wrigley said these have to be nothing but wholesome all-American girls. Oh, I think I know what this means. So these are your girls next door. These are not overly masculine girls. Okay. These are not going to be lesbians for sure. Because they're not all American. Right. And women who don't look stereotypically female. Right. Who look in people's eyes as being too masculine. Exactly. Or not fitting feminine ideal of beauty, according to a 1940s man. He said this league would epitomize the highest ideals of American womanhood. But obviously it's going to be racially diverse and representative. Well, about that. Is that a no? That's a no. That's a hard no. Okay. So we are going to have a segregated league. Yeah. And we do have some Canadians that get to play and a couple of Cubans. I I, I guess that's a kind of diversity. Sure. Not really representation. Not what we were aiming for, but no. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but all of these women 
are basically going to identify as white. Okay. A few, like I said, a few Cuban players, but most of them are going to identify as white. So when this, but they got to put their hair into ponytails and wear practical clothing. Well, of course, no, no. Okay, I'll let I'll let you continue. Yes. Uh, So over the twelve league, sorry, twelve seasons that the league lasted, twelve seasons, twelve seasons. So it went on longer than the war. Most people don't know that. Okay. They are going to have about ten teams, and we're going to see. 545 players overall. 500 players? Yeah. 10 teams? Yeah. I feel like when I watch the movie version, there are four teams. Well, when you watch... So, when you say the movie, of course, you're talking about A League of Their Own, right? Yeah, the documentary film. <laughs> Made in 1992. Yeah. So Great years for movies, 92 through 95. But anyway. Did you know that movie's actually been inducted to the Library of Congress Film Registry? I'm going to assume that was a yes. Yeah. You knew that. So... I'm the, just I'm just sighing because you have to ruin everything with your historical facts. <laughs> They're fun facts, Allegra. They're fun. Fun to Misty. Yep. Okay. Continue. So that movie really only focuses on the first couple of years and there were fewer teams then. Okay. But if it continued on, mm-hmm. you would have seen at least the development of a few more teams. Okay. Uh, most of them from the Midwest, by the way. All right. The players are going to make about 60 to $85 a week. Was that good? So, if you were a factory worker, that's a little bit more than you could make as a woman factory worker. Okay. Uh, but when one of the managers saw Dorothy Schroeder play, he said, oh, if she was a man, I'd have given 50000 for her. So, not on par with what the men were making. Sure. Okay. But, I mean, okay. But this is the... I mean, my grandma was a factory worker in the 40s. Really? So, yeah. So she was not making... She was not making that. She was probably making about 40 a week. Okay. Depending on what part of the country she was in and what factory she was in. So she should have been better at baseball. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So these women, they know that they're not getting paid as well as the men. They know that. Mm -hmm. But they also know this is their only chance to play a sport professionally. Yeah. We've never had a professional league of female athletes before. And so these ladies are going to put up with a lot Mm -hmm. just to get to play this game. Okay. As an example of what they put up with, I would like to read you just some names of the teams. Oh, okay. This will be fun for us. So it's going to be like fierce animals and <laughs> yes. other types of things that we uh-huh. typically name. So the Fort Wayne Daisies. The Grand Rapids Chicks. 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 Uh, one you probably know from the movie, the Rockford Peaches. Yeah, I love, love the Rockford Peaches, but you know, yeah. Um, other names were the Bells, the Sallies, the Lassies. Um, actually, we had three Bells by the end of the league. <laughs> I guess we got kind of lazy on the name uh, in here. We, it looks like we had more than one Chicks. Yes, the, we the did. The Milwaukee Chicks. And the Grand Rapids Chicks. And some, the, the Lassies. The Lassies. The Colleens. Uh-huh. The Sallies. Yep. These oh, are some amazing names, aren't they? Multiple Lassies. <laughs> because... We, why didn't they just call it the lady, the lady team? You know, the, they probably would have. If the they uteruses. <laughs> well, they could not have done that. No. Like, or that's graphic and inappropriate. But there's one team called the Comets. Yeah. Which is, I feel like, a pretty... Well, there was also one team called the Red Wings, which I feel like is fairly yeah, gender yeah. neutral. Yeah. I'm I'm conf- I, I'm interested in the Minneapolis Millerettes, and I'm wondering if it has <laughs> to do with the Miller Brewing Company. I honestly don't know. I okay. didn't look it up. 
so, probably just who of whatever man started the team wanted to name it after, after himself. himself. <laughs> but we have to put this diminutive on the end of the word. Uh, well, so you millerets. know that it's ladies. Yeah, obviously, because we have to know that it's ladies. Oh, and one thing, when they talked about these players, they never called them women. These are girls. It's girls who are playing these sports. Yeah, I remember that from the movie. Yes. So something else you might remember from the movie is that these players had to abide by very strict rules. And those rules in the movie are real. So I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. I watched this movie. Okay. I had never seen it before because I was busy in the 90s watching other good quality movies. And apparently Friends. Yes. So I watched this movie. Recently. Recently. Okay. And toward the beginning of the movie, they show them this dress that they're going to have to wear. And these are some really hardcore, amazing women. Yes. Fantastic athletes. And I thought, they're not going to wear this dress. And I sent you a text message and I was like, please tell me (laughs) that at some point in the next five minutes of this movie, this dress gets lit on fire and then we are all playing baseball in pants. No, um, no, actually, that was the first rule that they were told. At no time may a player appear in the stands in her uniform or wear slacks in public. So not only could she not wear slacks playing the game. She couldn't wear them in public. No, because that's not the ideal all-American girl. You can't be running around wearing pants. And they, and, and they objected, but they had really no choice. And it what they was, say in the movie is, if you don't want to wear it, fine. You don't have to play. We just cut a bunch of women. Yeah. Girls. We just cut a bunch of girls. We'll bring them back in here. And, I mean, they'll wear anything yeah. for the chance to play. And so they didn't have any agency, any power, any choice. So I want to make a modern day analogy here. Okay. Do you know that Probably not, there are televised football games that feature women players? No, I didn't know that. Well, the reason you don't know that is because the women that play in these games have to wear lingerie. I have uh, no comment. There are professional former football players that their daughters have played in this league because their daughters want to play football. But the only way they get to play football is if they do it in lingerie. Are you serious? Yeah. There's a lingerie football game. I don't know what to tell you. It's, it exists. It's a real thing. You can Google it. But if you want to play the game, and that's the only right, way to play, right. you're probably going to do it. Because the people who have all the power in this situation have decided have decided that this is the only access you have to professional sports is by our rules. And what we think you should do is play baseball in a dress. Which, by the way, in addition to just well, being dumb. Because they dumb, didn't think that people would pay money to see women in pants. It seems dangerous. Oh, it was. They got a lot of injuries. You can find some old clips on YouTube of these girls, and you'll see that they have bruises all down their legs. And part of the thing, too, is the outfits that they wear determines how they play the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because if you're sliding you into home slide. base. You can't slide at all. I mean, you can, but. You're going to get hurt. You can do it once a yes. month, probably. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so the outfits are a huge problem. I mean, you're going to get bruises playing playing ball, but, I mean, you're going to cut your leg on rocks and dirt and gravel. Yeah. And bases. Yeah. I don't know what their bases are made <laughs> out of. But, I mean, you have to wear pants. Not in the All-American Girls it's just, Professional it's Baseball League. unfathomable to me 
that they weren't allowed to wear pants. Well, I've got some more rules then that you are not going to like. Boyish bobs are not permissible and in general hair should be well groomed at all times. Longer hair is preferable. They actually cut women. They cut them from teams who cut their hair. What? Because as you well know, women with short hair are lesbians, Allegra. I, it's it's funny that the that the rule is boyish bobs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so smoking and drinking is not okay, especially in public. Even though, like, all the men, male oh, yeah. baseball players were oh, smoking for and sure. drinking. I mean, there are pictures of Joe DiMaggio <laughs> yes. smoking and drinking. Okay. All social engagements must be approved by a chaperone. Shut up. Yep. Legitimate requests for dates can be allowed. What? Who decides whether it's legitimate? The chaperone. No, okay, this is one thing I will say for the chaperones. A lot of the girls they had in these leagues were actually underage. 15, 16 year olds. Okay. And they're away from their families for the first time. Sure. They don't have a way to communicate with their families very often and they're kind of out on their own. And some of them actually had what we would today call stalkers. But at the time they called them admirers. <laughs> they did you should be lucky that someone <laughs> is creepily following you you should feel really lucky that someone is following your every move and sending you creepy messages yes. and uh yeah i think there were i mean th- maybe not in the in the movie they had they had adamant fans but i don't think in a creepy way so there is a girl <laughs> named thelma El- eisen and she is, I want to say, 16 when she starts in 1944. Yeah. And she had an admirer who would follow her on the road games. And so there's this story about how he found out what hotel they were going to be in. He checked into a room and basically invited her up. And because she was young and she just thought he was a fan, she agreed to go meet him in his room. Don't what What's going to happen? I'm scared. This is actually a good story. Okay. This is where the chaperones were helpful. She said she wasn't there three minutes before a chaperone was knocking on the door. Better be. Finding her and saying, no, 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 no. This is not a good situation. Let's get you back to your room. So for the underage girls, I'll say the chaperones won't terrible. Sure. No, I mean, if you're 15 years old, then, I mean, somebody has to be. But if you're 22, slightly different situation. Yeah. Um, Players couldn't change their addresses without letting their chaperones know. What? Well, because you might be trying to move in with a boy. And that's not okay. So could these girls go out together to socialize? They could, but only to approved places and only during approved times of the day. Um, Usually they were supposed to be in by midnight at the latest. Could they go out drinking? So there's another pretty famous story from some of the players that what they would do is get alcohol and they would go out to graveyards because nobody was looking for them out in the graveyards. And they would just kind of hang out and drink some beers together and relax. Because if they were out in public, they had to be these representatives of the league. Mm-hmm. But when they were in the graveyard, nobody even knew it was them. So they could kind of relax a little bit. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Other Did they have to wear makeup? They did have to wear makeup. And there's another really famous story about that, like in the middle of this really important inning. By the way, when Misty says a really famous story. Really famous that means to historians. story no one else on earth has ever heard of. <laughs> uh, this girl is about to go up to bat and her chaperone stops her and is like, oh no, your lipstick's on your teeth. And like makes her fix her makeup. What? Before they let her go bat. What? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <sighs> These priorities. So you want to talk about makeup? 
Um, not really, but I mean, yes. Let's talk about makeup. I just I don't want to be the bird. Yeah, let's miss. Let's miss you. Let's talk about makeup. So the All American Girls Professional Baseball League, because that's what it's called. Yes, had a charm school, and you might have seen this in the movie. I was hoping it was. Oh no, that's a real thing. Um, Helena Rubinstein is going to own the chain of salons that run the charm school. So she ran some of them herself. She had some of her employees run the rest of them. They taught the athletes how to put on makeup, how to get in and out of a car, how to put on a... What do you mean how to get in and out of a car? How to get in and out of a car like a lady. Keeping your legs together, being very demure and proper, not just jumping out of it like an athlete. Can't do that. Gotta be proper. Who cares? A lot of people, apparently. (sighs) Uh, They taught them how to enunciate properly and also how to charm a date. Uh, One of the things that it's in their handbook that it says you can say to your date is... Oh, what nice eyes you have. That sounds like a, what is that story with the wicked wolf? The oh, oh. <laughs> big teeth But you grandmother, have. What, yeah. Um, to avoid getting dirt under their nails, the girls were told to scratch bars of soap before they went out to play so that when they were done with the game and they were greeting fans, they wouldn't have dirty hands with dirt under their fingernails. But it... Yep. <sighs> And that charm school doesn't last the whole time this league runs. I'll say that. It only lasted a couple of years. Uh, but once the charm school closes down, there was this booklet that they gave the athletes. So basically they condensed everything to a written program. And that way they didn't have to waste the time sending the girls to the charm school. They could just read the book about it. So I have a fun quote from that book for you. Uh, yeah. Women can be athletes and still be feminine and charming. Therefore, a double attraction. <laughs> Men do not want to come see women in athletic competition who look like men. Misty. <laughs> I have such a problem with this. Do you? I do. Because in 2008, the Chicago Tribune ran a story about the WNBA that also had makeup classes for their athletes. What? Uh-huh. Uh, Renee Brown, who is, or sorry, was the WNBA's vice president said that womanhood was an important component of what it meant to be playing in the league. You're a woman first. You just happen to play sports. So here's the thing. Yep. There are loads of lady athletes. Yes. Who also are interested in presenting themselves in what we might call a typically female way. Okay. There are lots of female athletes who want to curl their hair, wear makeup and dresses. But like, and that's great. Right. But we shouldn't be saying that you have to right. all present yourselves in the same way. We and, shouldn't be. And, and not only is it, is it demeaning and insulting and almost dehumanizing, but it is in an attempt to erase lots of people's identities. There are female athletes who don't think of themselves as being feminine or womanly or even necessarily as a woman in terms of a binary gender structure. So to say we're going to erase your this part of your identity and make you look and act a certain way in order to pursue something that you excel at, it's beyond comprehension. And that you're telling me this happened in 2008. 
I am going to further tell you that the WNBA still makes stylus available to their players upon request. Now, at least at this point, it's by request. Sure. And I mean, the, I, I might want a stylist <laughs> if it were available upon request, because I, I mean, I don't know how to style anything. But they particularly encourage it to the newer players and especially on draft night. So that sends a message, right? Yeah. Like you're valued and we want you for your athletic talent, but it would be helpful to us if you also looked a certain way. So these girls that play in the All-American Girl Professional Baseball League, man, mm-hmm. that is a long thing to say every time, but I can't do the the abbreviations because I will mess up all those letters. Yeah, A, A, G, I don't know. I, I sound like my daughter trying to do the alphabet. Like It's just <laughs> bad. Um, those girls put up with this because they wanted to play. They had to. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, if you're an athlete, you love playing. So uh, Ruth Lessing is one of the toughest players in the league, and she's known for being kind of feisty. Mm-hmm. She is once, by feisty. You just mean like oh no, I mean feisty. Okay. Uh, she once punched an umpire for a bad nice, call, and nice. she was fined a hundred dollars. But that same time period in which she punched an umpire, she was interviewed by a newspaper, and she agreed to be photographed for that interview, putting on her makeup. And the caption says, "Applying makeup is important to Ruth Lessing because she knew mm-hmm. that that was part of her image, mm-hmm. and that was part of." getting to stay on the team you can be tough and you can play you can punch an umpire and have to pay a fine but you have to appear in a magazine saying applying makeup is very important to me yes mm-hmm. i feel like i'm sighing a lot <laughs> i mean i was really excited to talk about professional female athletes in the 40s that's a very exciting prospect you know i, I think it is exciting and i think kind of the theme of what we've been saying in every one of these things is it's progress right yeah at least they got on the field. Yeah. And they got to play. And you know what? The movie doesn't, I don't think, do a good job of this. But they were popular. In 1948, so that's three years after the war is over, they hit the height of their fan base. And they had a million people in 1948 go see a professional girls baseball game. So that's important. Yeah. And I mean, it was very important, I would imagine, to the players to be able to to play and even if baseball wasn't their number one passion in life it was probably exciting to just be able to do something yes right to be able to be active to be able to be part of this endeavor to boost american morale i mean i know that a lot of the women playing were married to or engaged to or dating or friends with or siblings to people or you know the boys over there fighting in Europe so it wasn't an important part of like the American war mission right to yeah it was to entertain and yeah we're gonna carry on and we're gonna be as normal as we can yeah despite these efforts and so it was very important that they be able to take part and they probably took great pride in it yes but it just had to be, and I mean, for for some, I'm sure it, there wasn't a lot of indignity in going to charm school and being putting on makeup and doing your hair because honestly, in the 40s, they probably were doing that any, every day anyway. So I have a quote from one of the players okay. about that exact thing, and she said, "This is uh, Lavon Pepper Prairie, and this is it's quote, a great name. It is. Uh, they just call her Pepper." And she's quoted in Lois Brown's book, The Girls of Summer, which is what A League of Their Own is based off of. Mm-hmm. Some of us could have used a little polish, but it's hard to walk in high heels with a book on your head when you have a Charlie horse. This is required to do in the evenings after we've been busting our butts for 10 hours on the field. Jeez. Yeah. So 
they realized at the time that it was a little bit ridiculous what they were being put through. Yeah. But they also realized that they were only a very select few girls who were going to get to do this. And so if they weren't going to play by the rules, somebody else would take their spot. Yeah. And so they had to put up with it. I mean, there's just no other option. Yeah. I guess in the grand scheme of things, it represents an increment of progress, right? Yes. We had a professional woman's sports league that was wildly popular and influential. And I mean, I imagine to girls, young actual girls, yes. watching, that had to be very important in terms of representation. Like, I'm seeing a female professional athlete. Well, yeah, and what a lot of these women did with their money, because during the war, it was considered almost un-American, really, to buy big things or spend a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, companies actually stopped making refrigerators and cars, things like that, so they could just make war materials. So these girls were in this league. They saved this money, and then a lot of them used it to go to college. Nice. Or Really? Yeah. Uh, so quite a number of them go into professional careers, and a lot of them became coaches. And so they coach the next generation of female athletes that come behind them. Yeah. And those girls don't have an opportunity to play in professional league sports like, mm -hmm. like these women did, but they got to do some other things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important that they kind of pass the torch to the next generation mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Some of their sons actually go on to be professional baseball players. Really? Yeah, which I thought was really interesting. That is interesting. So, well, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I want to talk to you about one more thing before we move on from this idea. Okay. I want to talk to you about how we remember or honor these women who played in this league. So for a long time, we kind of just forgot about this league. Mm -hmm. Historians knew about it, but nobody else cared because we are not a super fun group of people to hang out with. No. No. So in 1988, the Baseball Hall of Fame opened its Women in Baseball exhibit, and a lot of the women who were still alive came and toured it, mm -hmm. and that uh, moment is in the film. Yeah, 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 at the end. Yes. Yeah. So one of the people who just happened to also attend this exhibit was Penny Marshall. And do you know who Penny Marshall is? No. She's the director for A League of Their Own. Oh. Yeah. So this helped inspire her to okay. make this movie. And then yeah. four years later, she makes A League of Their Own. Uh, last year was the 75th anniversary of the league opening. Mm -hmm. And so there was a company called Sport, S-P-O-R-T, mm -hmm. but it's spelled like up and down capital letters. Okay. And they're a makeup company. No. They released no. the Girls of Summer no. makeup Stop. kit. Mm-hmm. No. Yep. Um, That's they, how we commemorate yep, the 75th had, anniversary. It used the signature colors of some of the teams. <gasps> it had a lipstick, three nail polishes, two blushes, and four eyeshadows. And in the press release, they said, Archival photos were discovered that emphasized the role makeup played in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. It was decided to add a broader range of makeup products to reflect the league's insistence that players had to look like women and play like men. Both of those things are offensive. Look like women play like men if Both they of had those just released the makeup and said this is the color palette that the rockford peaches used this sure. is fine what I mean, the bells use the lassies use whatever yeah not for me but fine but to release that press release and say because makeup was such an important part of this and the players had to look like women and play like men yeah i feel like it's a little tone deaf and, and that, that happened was last year th this year oh this year yeah sorry last summer yeah not even a year out so but also, during the time that it happened, right, there were objections to females being able to play sports, right? People said girls shouldn't be oh, out there yeah. playing ball. For sure. And we, so we started the episode 
with a little clip. Yes. And I want to play the clip in its entirety because this is it's a clip from A League of Their Own. And we're going to talk about the movie a little bit here. I mean, I, I guess it didn't ever occur to me that some people would find it objectionable that women were playing professional sports, especially given all of this historical context and all of this societal information, like the importance of keeping up American morale and the value of playing baseball and all of those things. Yep. I mean, this is also the time of Rosie the Riveter, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we're going to play this lovely woman. <laughs> In Chicago, the Mutual presents another social commentary by Miss Maida Gillespie. Careers in higher education are leading to the masculinization of women. With enormously dangerous consequences to the home, the children, and our country. When our boys come home from war, what kind of girls will they be coming home to? And now, the most disgusting example of this sexual confusion, Mr. Walter Harvey of Harvey Bars is presenting us with women's baseball. Right here in Chicago, young girls plucked from their families are gathered at Harvey Field to see which one of them can be the most masculine. Mr. Harvey, like your candy bars, you're completely nuts. So, obviously, Harvey is a stand-in here for Wrigley, the actual historical figure, but... The idea that it's sexual confusion, that, uh-huh. a, that a girl, that a woman, that a female play a sport, and that the men would be confused when they came home about who they were coming home to. Right. And, you know, that wasn't just limited to baseball. Uh, there was a lot of concern like, oh, my gosh, these ladies are working in factories. Yeah. And they're controlling their own money and they're running the households. And they're they're daring to think beyond personal appearance and homemaking. Yeah, so this wasn't universally celebrated, but I I want again say it was popular. Mm-hmm. A million people in 1948 went to go watch at least one game. That's important. So I w- I want to ask you a few things about the movie. Sure. And I want you to tell me whether they were accurate. Okay. The so the team managers or the team coaches they were men, right? Yes, that is correct. And when the teams, so I mean, obviously Jimmy Dugan is the Tom Hanks character in League their own and in the movie he's a drunk he's a washed up baseball player uh and he doesn't really have a very active role in the first few games but he got all the credit anytime the girls did anything well yes and most of the managers are former professional baseball players Mm -hmm. and so they were seen as the the real baseball players um jimmy dugan from that film is actually based on a real person named jimmy fox and so they didn't use his exact right name, but yeah. a lot of what's portrayed there about his personality is pretty spot on. And and so in the movie, Gina Davis is the one who's making all of these calls initially, and the the team is achieving you know feats of excellence or whatever. But in the stands, they're saying Jimmy D- Dugan, the baseball expert, really had that all planned out. Yes, when really he was like asleep. Well, right, because it was. Kind of what we talked about with the music episode, right? The women were the performers. Yeah. But they're not the producers. They're not the artists. They're not the thinkers. They're just the ones on the field. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about is the girl who cries, even though, you know, there's no crying in baseball. Yes. She has her kid with her. So that would not have been acceptable. Okay. That's absolutely not something that's going to be allowed. I I, I mean, I, I thought maybe it was for comedic effect. 
or even to kind of illustrate the way that these women were having to not abandon the responsibilities that they had at home. It was funny because what she said is her husband was too busy looking in the want ads for a job to take care of the kid. And so you just got this kind of very bleak picture that she was responsible for everything. So one of the rules that we didn't talk about was that relatives, friends, and visitors are absolutely not allowed to sit on the bench at any time. Okay. So yeah, that's absolutely a fictional portrayal. But I think the other thing it's supposed to show you is that these women, just because they were playing baseball, they didn't get to give up all of their other roles Mm -hmm. as women. Mm -hmm. They still had a lot that they had to keep up with and do. Yeah. And that's not easy. Mm -hmm. They didn't have, you know, the the sports wife at home to take care of everything while they're out on the road. Yeah. yeah. So it was hard. Um, I want to ask you something about the movie. Okay. Since you watched it recently. Yeah, absolutely. So made in 1992. Do you feel like after this conversation, it's more a reflection of what actually happened? Or do you feel like it's more a reflection of third wave feminism from the 90s? So that's a great question. So I think adding the kid, I think there's a scene in the movie where they are doing the very annoying 90s low key nod to representation. Mm -hmm. So there's a scene in the movie where there are a bunch of black women Mm -hmm. standing near the baseball field. I think it's during practice. It might have been right before a game. And somebody throws a ball way out in nowhere. And so this, I don't think the character has a name. No, she doesn't. So this this African-American woman picks up the ball and throws it back. You know, the way that you would if you're a bystander and a ball lands near you and you toss it back into the game. And she throws it with a great deal of force. And so the the when Gina Davis catches it, she it's a powerful catch and it was a powerful throw. And so you get the impression, but again, it's very low key. Yeah, that that woman like, should have been on the team, right? but she can't be. And so I think for a lot of people watching the movie, up until that scene, it probably had never even occurred to them that, that it was a every single woman that they had seen already was white. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a nod to representation, but it I mean that's obviously not a very uh, in depth discussion of it, right? And so really, you just have to read Gina Davis's face and her making the realization that like oh this lady can play ball as good as the rest of us can, um, but she's ineligible to play, right? Mm-hmm. You ju- it's it's just in her facial expression, and then you know the scene cuts away to something else. Yes, that's very third wave feminism to me. The 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 way they include the kid to kind of unspoken but to mention or to kind of point out that women had new responsibilities but are not able to relinquish relinquish the mm-hmm. traditional female responsibilities of home and family. I think a lot of those things are third wave feminist messages. I think the reaction to the outfits, I mean the, the movie very much wants you to see the clothing and the charm school as ridiculous. Yes. Mhm. They are not pointing these things out to you because... Look what opportunities these girls were given. Right, right. And... They got to go to charm school. (laughs) But it's still problematic just like the 90s were. The the men in this movie are the heroes. Tom Hanks is the hero. People still refer to this as the Tom Hanks movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, even in the movie, like the men started it. There was a man who's advocating for them at the end, you know... It's still, I mean, it's just like everything else that we talked about from the 90s, right? It's progress, it's problems. One of the guys toward the end of the movie, when they're like, oh, well, the war's over, we can get rid of the baseball league. And he said, you know, we told them it was their patriotic duty to go to factories and play baseball. And now we're sending them back to the kitchen. Yes. 
a man gets to say that line. Right. Why didn't they let Madonna say that? Right. You know what I mean? Why didn't they say, you told us? I just said, you know what I mean, like 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have uh, two criticisms of the movie. And these criticisms are from the actual women who played in this league. Who oh. then watched the movie later. Okay. So the first one they said is those girls are not ball players. They said they played like actors, not like ball players. That they should have gotten better training. They I said fe- I feel like I read that they trained for a really long time. They did, but um, the women who watched the film said none of them would have made the cut. Okay, they weren't Fair good enough. enough. Fair enough. And then the second thing that they said is a lot of like the really showy things, like doing the splits to catch the ball. I was going to ask you about the splits. Yeah, none of that happens. Okay, there's a little bit of showmanship. Um, like when girls would go up to bat, they would kind of shimmy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's nobody doing cartwheels. There's nobody catching a, a ball in her hat or anything like that. That's I, not a thing. I did hear, I mean, I read that all of the injuries you see on screen are real. Yes. Including, there's a, there's a scene where this woman just has like this, I mean, her whole thigh basically is bruised and then yeah. s- her skin is split open. Um, you can find some archival footage of that on YouTube, actually. Because we do have, there are a lot of silent films, but we do have... Um, footage of these girls practicing and what you see in that film is one girl like applying a salve to another girl's oh. gigantic thigh wound from where she slid into a base in a skirt yeah and there was nothing protecting her skin yeah from the catcher and the yeah. base yeah and uh, but but so i was going to say the actors just, those are real injuries yes. those aren't made up yeah yeah so but i mean obviously madonna wouldn't have the same kind of baseball skill Right, that a real babe hall. But, but they, they, I mean, I did hear that they practiced and they trained a great they, deal. And you can actually find footage of the training from A League of Their Own. Oh, really? On YouTube. Yeah, they filmed a lot of the training to show, like, how they got better over time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the women who watched it in the 90s were like, no, they all, they're all they all terrible. Yeah, we're way better I mean, than that. If you were if you were one of the only female professional baseball players, you'd probably be... A little bit of, upset? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What can we say about women's participation in sports overall? I feel like I'm just going to repeat what we've said. Like in every single episode, we're getting better, but it sure ain't great. (laughs) I am going to say something a little bit different in this episode. That's good. Yeah. Because I've said that in many episodes. I feel like rather than a linear progression Mm -hmm. and we move forward, but a little bit of time. Mm Mm-hmm. In this case, what I see are peaks and valleys. I see like we got better. Women were playing a professional league sport and we weren't worried about their uteruses falling out. Yeah. And then we got rid of everything. Yeah. Well, and then like I think like now we have the WNBA. Mm -hmm. It is in no way equitable to the NBA. But we have it. Right. And we didn't have it before. Right. And we do have... Women who apparently play football and lingerie. Yes. We have women who are like Misty Copeland. Mm-hmm. So yep. very well known in a traditionally female sport, but I would consider belly a sport. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's waves, right? Yeah. It comes and goes. Mm-hmm. I think eventually we'll get there. I don't know if it'll ever be equitable to men's sports. No. I don't think it will be. But I think we will continue to improve. And I think we have to get rid of this idea 
so the, the, that idea that you said earlier, right, where you look like a girl, but you play like a boy. Yeah. So we have to get rid of these binary notions and say you have to look a certain, you have to look traditionally feminine, right? Because that's the, been the problem for American gymnasts. Oh, right. For sure. And we can do a there, whole episode on that. And we probably will because uh, I'm obsessed with the Olympics personally. But, but that was one of the selling points for our teams in the 50s and 60s. We said, oh, our gymnasts look like all American girls. And those Soviets, they look like, like men. men. Yeah. And I mean, so that means that you have to, as a female gymnast, then limit how muscular you become because you are being forced into these notions of looking a specific way, which is... a a way that men imagine women should look. It's not even looking like a girl. It's looking the way a man thinks a girl should look. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, Misty. Yeah. What's next in your lady life? So Wednesday was my birthday. And so what's next in my lady life is I'm going out to celebrate my birthday. Nice. Yeah. Going to the Cheesecake Factory? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe have some... um, tasty beverages okay that's all i'll say about that that's all i'll say yeah allegra what's next in your lady life well um i'm going to uh buy you a birthday present as i had planned to do already oh awesome before you just told me that so timely yeah i mean i it was already my plan awesome yeah thank you for listening to this episode of professors our podcast about seeing movies music tv literature culture and history through our lady eyes I'm Misty, and even though I don't have any sport ability, I still love baseball. And I'm Allegra, and I really just love Simone Biles. We'd love to hear from you what you thought about today's episode, what you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, or how great you think we are. Which is pretty great. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ProfessHers, that's at P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S, or by email, same address, ProfessHers at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who has been listening, commenting, liking, and reviewing our podcast. Please keep it up. And the best way to keep up with us is to subscribe. Keep doing all those things, and we hope you recommend our podcast to a friend. This podcast is written by Misty and me. And remember, play like a girl. <laughs>